Breaking news. It's Joe Biden, a COVID watcher. I'm sad to report to you today the president has become symptomatic. Over the weekend, President Biden began complaining of a sore throat after spending most of his Friday meeting struggling to unwrap a throat lozenge. I can also report the president has lost his sense of smell as well. How will this affect his interactions with any women or young children that come near him in the future? Only time will tell. This has been your breaking news update. I'm Philip A. Flood. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Welcome back to another episode of Thinking Logically. I'm the pod father, the professor, Mark J. Graninetti, joined by the brains behind the operation, Dr. Joseph Anthony Corsi. And if you recognize the music playing here, it is the theme song to Weekend at Bernie's because President Joe Biden is back and he's still dead. So let's start. Uh, turn it over to you, Joe. I know you're excited to get into the uh, our, our topics that we have for our audience today. And by the way, we want to thank everyone for listening uh, our audience is growing each and every episode. In three episodes, we are not only across the country, but in different countries as well. So we'll get into that at the end of the episode. But we want to thank everyone for subscribing and listening. Trying to bring you guys the best content, the freshest topics a couple times a week. So, Joe, let's go. All right. You, got, uh, you saw Bernie Lomax over there on, I believe it was Friday. I, I mean, you had to see the video. I put it on my Instagram him trying to unwrap the throat lozenge. First of all, he looks like he's, you said, already dead. He's a dead reanimated corpse already. He sort of looks like the Crypt Keeper, but with the personality of a dead fish. Someone needs to tell him, hey, Joe, the cemetery called. Due to supply chain issues, they're all out of dirt, so they're going to have to wait to bury you till next week. It's just ridiculous. But we still, let's get away from Biden, and let's focus on the issues here. I'll ask again. We still don't have an answer where did Biden get COVID and from who? And think about it. There's a reason they want to ignore this question and dance around it. It's because everyone that comes into, the con into contact with the president is fully vaccinated. Do you, uh, do you guys listening understand what that means? That means that a person who had four shots for COVID ended up getting COVID from a person that was fully vaccinated for COVID. Should, should I say it again? I'll, I'll say it again. Okay, a person with two shots and two boosters, boosters, with the most recent one being on March 30th, less than four months ago, got COVID from another person that had at least two shots and probably at least one boosters. I mean, what makes me the most angry about this is there's people out there that on social media that are much more popular on social media, much more intelligent than me, and they had their accounts locked or suspended for, for spreading what was called mis- or disinformation. We said this a year ago with the vaccines. We said this would happen. We said this is happening. And we were banned on social media. Explain it to me like I'm slow. How in the hell do two vaccinated people infect each other? I don't have an answer, but it's been over two years this shit. Who's spreading the mis and disinfo? You decide. Mark? Couldn't say it any better, Joe. I mean, that's exactly what happened. Everyone that's around the president is fully vaccinated or up to date, whatever they call it now. Um, so we have not had any other information as to where he may have picked up the virus. 
But apparently that's neither here nor there because he has, has been isolating all weekend, taking all the precautions. They say now that his symptoms have gone away and he's he's defeated COVID. So uh, I'm sure he was very thankful and grateful that he's been vaccinated and boosted because that's the line. That's the MO that all the leftists say when they can track COVID. We are thankful and grateful to be vaccinated and boosted. Okay. So I guess that's it. You know, we're not going to hear any more on this situation, although he sounded awful. But I guess you can expect that when a 79-year-old contracts BA 5.3 ZQ, whatever variant we're on now. So, Is, is this one less deadly than Omicron or... Do we not even know anything at all? Let's just play the Dr. Burke's video from... Okay, so we have Neil Cavuto, who is a paid shill, and Dr. Deborah Burks, who I wouldn't even call her a doctor because, like I said, she's just another shill. And we're going to play the video of what they were talking about, and you decide for yourself. I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection, and I think we overplayed the vaccines, and it made people then worry that it's not going to protect against severe disease and hospitalization. It will, but let's be very clear. 50% of the people who died from the Omicron surge were older, vaccinated. So that's why I'm saying even if you're vaccinated and boosted, if you're unvaccinated right now, the key is testing and Paxlovid. Okay, time out, time out, time out. Stop, shut her up, shut up. So let's look at this. 50% of the people who died from Omicron were older and vaccinated. What? Uh, I thought the Omicron variant wasn't that deadly. That's what we were told by all the experts. Also, we were told that if you got vaccinated, not only will you not get COVID, but you definitely won't die. What happened to the idea that vaccines eased all the symptoms? What's worse than being dead? I mean, I hope these people at least go to heaven for God's sakes. Uh, no pun intended, but these people think we're all stupid. They think that you people listening right now must wake up for breakfast every single morning and eat crayons. But let's calm down here for one second, and we're just going to think logically for one second on this show. Because if 50% of the people that died were fully vaccinated, then either the vaccines don't work as they were advertised, or, or they were using the test to inflate the death numbers just like they did in 2020. Actually, it, it can be both, but it certainly cannot be neither. Mark? Uh, I didn't tell you this before the show, but I can corroborate some of that information because I'm friends with a, a person that is, uh, we'll say he's, you know, this person's in nursing management at one of the local area hospitals slash health networks. And this person told me that the people that they have been, see- been seeing that's, that are dying from COVID have been the ones that are vaccinated. And that was probably a couple months ago uh, that this person told me that information. So I can definitely corroborate some of that just based on firsthand information that I was receiving from a person who's, you know, in the hospital system. So it sounds like Dr. Burks is correct, believe it or not, but it. You listen to that and you have to think to yourself, like, am I going crazy or did, it, did I really did I really just hear that? We talked about this last week on episode three. And now we're playing the audio for you here on episode four. So 
again, think logically. 50% of the people that died were fully vaccinated. I, I just, it's just getting old at this point. Um, so it seems like the people that are actually healthiest are the ones that are unvaccinated right now. So I don't know. Back to you on that. Okay, but it, they're, they're not going to stop it. Yeah, I could already see. Uh, I'm going to move to a tweet from, uh, looks like Bill from Fox in L.A., Bill Malugan, it looks like. So he's tweeting out that Culver City Unified School District is announcing that it's reinstating an indoor mask mandate effective August, August 1st due to recent alarming COVID numbers from L.A. Public Health. Oh, boy. Now, he's also accusing them of continuing to inflate the hospitalization numbers with patients who aren't admitted for COVID, but with COVID, because... Who knows if they still test out there. Then he said another tweet out. I believe this was Saturday or Sunday um, that they are now saying they got ahead of themselves with the mask mandate. They're saying only if L.A. Public Health reinstates the L.A. County mask mandate next week, then they are widely expected to adhere to it. And so it looks like L.A. and California is probably going to go back to mass. New York City. I don't know. I worry about where we live. I worry about here. Um I wouldn't stand for it. I wouldn't stand for, for my kids having to wear a mask That's to attend school. Very surprising to me that they're going to do this just months, a couple months before the general election. You would think that they would try to downplay this as much as possible, uh, you know, because we do have an election coming up. But I would love to know more people in California what they think. I mean, is this, do they think that they're, their their civil rights are being trampled on by constantly being told to wear a mask or do they honestly support these measures and think that this is working in the name of you know quote unquote public health you know so i i don't think that we're going to see any more mask mandates here in pennsylvania i think that is over with but california is i i can't wrap my head around it how they continue to buy into this you know we're just coming back going in circles now so you know how bad really is the situation the covid situation are they going to wear n95s is it a cloth mask you know so is this really the best time to to bring back masks i mean because biden we literally make fun of biden for wearing masks in the dumbest situations he's vaccinated four times he wears a mask still and he still gets covid is this the best time to say hey we need to mask our children still just to be safe who really don't get COVID and definitely don't die of COVID. I don't think the death rate for children under the age of 18 has even reached a thousand. It, it didn't even reach over 500 until mid late 2021. I don't think what are we doing here? More kids die of the flu, spinal meningitis, so many things. And, and you're going to make them wear a dirty mask all day that, that probably collects fungus and who knows what else on it for what, what's this for loaded with bacteria, especially the cloth masks. But, I just flew uh, for the first time in about six months and the first time since the mask mandate was lifted. And I can tell you that I did not see a lot of people wearing masks in the airport and on the airplane. I actually thought I would have seen more on, on the airplane, people wearing masks, but I'm telling you, I bet you on both flights to and from Charleston, South Carolina, I bet you I saw probably less than 10 people with masks on, on each flight in the airport. It was the same. People are over it. Apparently everyone thinks that this is no longer a major threat and people are just going about their lives. And that's all people want to do. 
this point. So I was actually pleasantly surprised to see that people would just, you know, or, or saying enough's enough. And again, going out and, and, and doing the things you normally do. So I don't think we're going back there. I promise my listeners this. It will feel so good to just say, no, I'm not doing it. It feels so good to just say, to just not do it. It's an amazing feeling when someone, like in 2020, when I would walk into Marshalls and say, put a mask on, I'd say, you know what? No, no, th- no, thank you. I'd walk right in. It wouldn't be a big deal. People would stare at me, but it, it's not like they were going to throw me out like I'm DJ Jazzy Jeff from Fresh Prince. I mean, yeah. I, are we really going to go back to this in the middle of summer with N95s? Like, I, I feel bad for old people who are probably the most like afraid of this and stuff like that. Do you really want to wear N95 in the summertime when it's hot and, and try to breathe? It's, it's not fun. No, but enough mask talk. Let's go on to our next topic here. And I believe you want to talk about Tony Fauci. We could talk about Tony Fauci all in the Wuhan lab. So let's touch on this briefly. So take it away. Okay. So according to, I believe I saw this on Twitter Tony Fauci and his, um, I, I don't know if it's the NIH or, or who it was, hired someone to be in China and even take pictures of this Wuhan lab. They were in Wuhan, they were monitoring the lab, and they were taking pictures of it. And this is just a weird story because why? And it's at the perfect time. And Dr. Fauci already has connections to this Wuhan lab by himself and the NIH too. And we don't know... Anything about where this COVID-19 thing came from? Did it come from a bat? Did it come from a lab? Dr. Fauci has his handprints all over that gain-of-function testing. It's just weird that he has hired someone at that time to be in China and in Wuhan by that lab, and they were even taking pictures of it. You sent me an article a couple of days ago that he, he, he is keeping an open mind to the Wuhan lab leak theory. So where did that come from? Uh, I have no idea where he gets off even saying that. I'd be embarrassed. He just should resign and just go right off in the mountains somewhere and just stop bothering people. Honestly, he's, he's been wrong about years everything. Old. Everything he said, he's been wrong about. And now he's going to try to come on our side. And pe- people are going to like come out and, and hear, him, hear this for the first time from him and be like, oh, wow, Dr. Fauci makes sense. No. No, people have been saying this forever. And they've been banned, like I said, on social media. They've had their accounts deleted, suspended. For what? Who is spreading the mis and disinformation? It's amazing how all these conspiracy theories are conspiracy theories for a few months or a year. And then all of a sudden, one expert says, you know what? This might be possible. And, and it's allowed to be said out loud again. All of a sudden, it's allowed to be said out loud. with no problem. Right. He said he's, he's pledged to retire by the end of Biden's first term. Hopefully only term at this point. Could be tomorrow. He's 81. Just enjoy retirement. Enjoy the final years of your life. Why are you still around? Everyone has pretty much tuned you out, except probably for maybe a very small percentage of Americans who live and die by his every word. And maybe that's got to be under 1% at this point. But I found an article here from the New York Post. uh, Five mistakes Dr. Anthony Fauci made on COVID that spelled disaster. This is from three days ago and i'm i won't go into detail but i'll just give you a a couple of the 
of these. Contact tracing. Failing to protect the vulnerable. Closing the schools. Mistakes on natural immunity. And going back to your point, funding Chinese labs. So a lot of mistakes were made, and we're not trying to play Monday morning quarterback and uh, hindsight's twenty twenty type of thing, but just retire. No one wants to hear you. No one wants to see you. End your career with some whatever dignity you have left and enjoy the rest of your life. It's all we're asking. It's all pretty much the majority of Americans want. Everyone has toned him out completely. So um, it's like back the, to the you on that from, one. It's like the guy from uh, the Road Warrior, Mad Max, the Road Warrior. Just walk away. Just walk away and there will be an end of this. <laughs> right. Your legacy but is probably I, I wanna, already I real completely ruined. Good, good. Yeah, I'm looking here. It says, as I, as I have the TV on as while well, we're recording, go ahead and, Fauci, go ahead and investigate me. And I have a feeling, I have a feeling that if the Republicans, if and when the Republicans take back the House and the Senate in November, if he does retire, we will see him back in front of hearing after hearing after hearing if the Republicans take back Congress because they are not going to let this die. They will make his life a living hell if they have to and hold him accountable, I should say, more than anything else for the things and decisions he made almost unilaterally over the last two years. So even if he does retire, we will be seeing a lot of Tony Fauci in Washington, D.C. Probably as early as January, February of 2023. So that's all I have on that. I want to give credit real quick um, to Tom Fitton on Twitter. That's where I got this from, uh, where the Fauci agency had a representative in China that was monitoring the Wuhan lab. That was from Tom Fitton on Twitter. Great follow. Go ahead and follow him if you can. He's a true patriot and a lot of, lot of good info from that guy, I, I must say. So do you want to move on to uh, where Biden possibly could have got COVID from in the Middle East and what's going on there with Putin and well, yeah, we could talk about that. You know, as, as we said before, Biden returned from his Middle East trip where he met with leaders from Saudi Arabia, the Middle East, and he came back. He was also in Israel. He came back and now he has COVID. Uh, heard from the White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, and she played down the fact that wherever he got it wasn't important, you know, and that he was working and still working. So, um, going back to the Middle East, though, Biden returns, and who meets with Mohammed bin Salman? I believe this was only a phone meeting. Yes, correct. This was not an in-person meeting. It was Russian President Vladimir Putin. Meets with Saudi Crown Prince MBS, where they discussed oil production and his latest visit to Iran you know, according to the Kremlin. Uh, the phone call took place less than a week after President Biden's visit to Saudi Arabia, which was aimed in part at pressing the kingdom to increase oil production. Now, I'm getting this from Axios again. By the way, we're not an anti-democratic podcast, Democratic Party podcast. We, are, we just direct most of our ire to the radical left. We quote liberal, we quote liberal sources, we quote conservative sources. So I don't want people to think that we are just an anti-democratic party podcast. That's not the case. 
So I'm quoting this from Axios. We quote a lot of other things from Reuters, NPR, just to show people that we are we are quoting and pulling left-leaning sources for some of our information that we talk about. Putin and MBS on Thursday stressed the friendly relations between Russia and Saudi Arabia and discussed the global oil market and expanding trade and economic ties, according to the Kremlin. So again, another example of the Biden administration's um, miscalculation, if you will, and our deteriorating relationship with Saudi Arabia now pushes Saudi Arabia closer to Russia when, in fact, Russia is an ally of Saudi Arabia's probably number one enemy, Iran. So, again, um, Putin and MBS definitely have some sort of dialogue there. Two of the largest product, uh, producers of oil in the world, Russia and Saudi Arabia. And we also have Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. He is arriving in Cairo, uh, I believe it was two days ago, to address senior officials from all 22 Arab League member states uh, in another effort by Russia to maintain its engagement with the Arab world after Biden's visit. So uh, Putin, again, he was in Tehran. Uh, he has allies in that region, obviously, with Iran, Syria. So this is just an in interesting geopolitical politics, how these things play out on a global stage. And the fact that MBS was willing to meet with Putin says a lot. What do you think? Uh, I got to agree. That's Russia, Middle East. That's where all the oil is now. So any type of agreement that the Middle East and Saudi Arabia and Russia, it's not going to be good for business for Western countries. We should be fine. Like I said, we have all the natural resources a country could ever dream of, but we just don't want to tap into those for some reason. I don't know why, but some reason we won't tap into those. We just don't want to produce any more oil. We want to go all green immediately with no plan, but it's just, it's not a good situation over there because it's like, uh, we, we, you, okay. So you have a friend over that you can't stand friend leaves. What's the first thing you might do? Call up one of your friends and, and tell them how annoying or what the other. That's what just went on basically in the Middle East. Biden met with MBS, left. And then did he immediately pick up the phone and call Putin? Like you said, there, Iran and Saudi Arabia hate each other. And Russia, I don't know. I wouldn't say they, they would back Iran, but they have close, closer ties with, with Iran than people think. And Saudi Arabia, it just it doesn't make any sense, but it's working for Putin. Somehow Putin is just this 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 amazing politician that, that's able to bring all these countries together and, and talk to these people. But Biden couldn't do it. I have a question for you. If yes. Putin is so bad and evil. And we definitely condemn whatever he's doing in Ukraine. If Putin is this big, bad, you know, bully on the global stage. Why do all these world leaders continue to meet with him? You know, I don't know. That's a great question. And it's almost like when they are meeting, it's it's after like they met Biden. So it's almost like it's an embarrassment for the United States or a slap in our face. It, you might not notice it because you, most people aren't paying attention, but it really is. I mean, think about it. It really is. And at least on the surface. His relationships with these world leaders seem super friendly. And I keep thinking to myself, why? If he's dangerous threat if he has all these sanctions against them if he's you know this big war criminal why do all these global leaders continue to meet with him 
it's very strange to me. You also, like you said last week, when when you reported about the uh, you the Ukraine and Russia grain deal, Turkey, I believe, was the one that negotiated that deal, and I I, I don't think Turkey and Russia have the the best history going back all the way to World War One, probably before that, and, right. and yet somehow somehow he got Turkey to be the one the inter- intermediary to get this, uh, which we're going to go into this this we'll call it the grain from the Ukraine situation, <laughs> but. We, <laughs> I mean, he's able to talk to Turkey. Yeah. It, it, let's, let's actually get into that. Let, let's transition. Are you ready? Let's transition to Ukraine right now. Because Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. The grain from the Ukraine. So you reported, uh, I believe it was last episode, or maybe two episodes ago, about that grain deal between Russia and Ukraine. Well, a day or two later, there was a missile attack on the ports, those ports in the Black Sea. So again, let's think logically here. Why would Russia make a deal with Ukraine to distribute grain and then use missiles to destroy the ports on the Black Sea where they were going to export that grain? It just doesn't make any sense. So you got to ask yourself, who really launched these missiles? Who, who launched this attack on the Black Sea port? What's really going on in Ukraine? Because we've had too many lies from our media and too many falsehoods that found out that just weren't true. Whether it's the Snake Island defenders, the ghost of Kiev, you go on and on and on. Again, I don't have the answers, but let's not forget these global geniuses over here economic forum have been hinting for months that we might have to get used to eating bugs in the future. And all of a sudden, Russia makes a, a deal to move grain out of, out of a war-torn country, and this happens. I'm going to play a clip for you real quick here, and this is from the Colbert Report with Robert Downey Jr. So let's, uh, let's play this. Now, what is this? This looks like I could make cocoa with this. What is right? What is that? Well, uh, that's an insect based premium protein. It's made from Molitor, which is mealworm larvae. Uh, the company is called Insect. This is Infras. This is for fertilizer. Mm-hmm. And as you have there, this is a powder derived from the mealworm, and it's a insect protein just been approved by the EU for human consumption. You're- and okay, so we're gonna cut that video. Let's also not forget there have been quite a lot of issues with food and farmers lately, whether it's the farmers in the Ukraine, Netherlands, here in America. So you gotta ask yourself, are we really headed toward a food shortage here? And if so, is it because of this pandemic and big bad Vladimir Putin? Or is it because of something else? Mark. When I first saw that a missile attack was on the um, the Russian grain silos right after they struck a deal. I thought to myself, why would they do that? They just came to a deal with Ukraine, brokered by Turkey, to export this grain across the world, wherever it needs to go. But then you could sit here and play devil's advocate, and you could say, well, why would Ukraine do that? Again, I don't have all the answers, but this seems extremely fishy to me. Why Russia would attack, make a deal with Ukraine, and then use missiles to destroy the ports on the Black Sea, like you said, where they're going to export that grain. It doesn't make sense because they want, they're going to take them ports, let's be honest. I mean, that's, that's the Donbass region. That's the, they're going to take them ports. This goes all the way back to Soviet Russia in World War II. They're not going to let Ukraine have them ports. So why would they destroy them? 
it doesn't it, make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. The first thing I thought of was that it was a false flag. Um, but again, I mean, who knows? It could have been you. It could have been Russia. Could have been Ukraine. Could have been somebody else. No idea. It could have been, you know, a, a militant group in Ukraine making it look to be that it was Russia. Russia denied. Of course, they're going to deny that. But they did deny that that was them. That they didn't do that. And again, I, it just doesn't make any sense at all. After you just completed this deal. So, and like I said, you parlay that with the fact that they've been talking about how we're going to have to eat bugs. And then there's a New York Times article, I believe it's from today, about cannibalism. And honestly, I, I could play the, the, actually, I'll play it real quick, the Alex Jones videos. To think about having to eat my neighbors. You think I like sizing up my neighbor, how I'm going to haul him up by a chain and chop his ass up? I'll do it. But I'm literally looking at my neighbors now going, I'm ready to hang them up and gut them and skin them and chop them up. You know what? I'm ready. My daughters aren't starving to death. I'll eat my neighbors. When my baby's coming to the equation, I will cook your ass up so fast. And I'll tell them, well, I killed a cow out back, baby. Here it is because my babies ain't going to die for your crap, your failure. I will eat your leftist ass like corn on the cob. I'm ready. I'll barbecue your ass flat. I will eat you. I'll drink your blood. You understand that? I will I will hang your ass up. All right, we're going to stop the video here. But, like a filet that's the first time I've heard Alex Jones's voice in a very long time, and that was really I mean, good. And on my Instagram, I posted that article about the New York Times and cannibalism with this video, and they took half the video down because it was just too much for people to hear, apparently. But the New York Times could talk about how cannibalism's cool, and how, that's, that's normal. That's fine. But Alex Jones, because it's Alex Jones, I guess, it's just too much for people to hear about him joking around about eating his neighbors. <laughs> At least it was joking back then. And by next year, it might be serious. Who knows? Um, we could spend all day on Ukraine. Uh, uh, it, but speaking of eating our neighbors and us having no food, let's dive into the recession that we are currently not in. What, what's a recession? Okay, so a recession is, um, it's a Latin word, recess, which means gone back, and then it was combined with Latin and English with recede, and that's how they got recession, and I don't know, man, I don't know what the definition of, of anything is anymore, um, they, they changed the definition on what a pandemic was in like 2020, they changed the definition of what a vaccine was, recently they changed the definition of what a woman was then we had roe v wade and then they changed it back the definition so who knows what a recession really is i thought it was two quarters of negative growth but apparently uh, this white house and it's 1984 war games they play has just changed the definition sorry <laughs> that's what janet yellen said that it's two consecutive quarters of negative growth and that has been the definition of a recession for i don't know the last 80 90 100 years right yeah, but apparently, this administration has changed the definition of a recession. Hmm. I wonder why they would do that. I wonder why they would do that. Do you have the clip of our press secretary, Karine Jean Pierre? Absolutely. Let me start it over one second here. Of a recession. 
again, we don't, we don't, def I'm not going to define it from here. I'm just going to leave it to the NBER as, as we have stated of how they define uh, recession. I'm just saying that we're just not going to define it. We use the indicators that the NBER, uh, uh, the national. All right, national shut up. You heard it right from her. We're not going to define it. Go pound salt, America. We ain't defining it. <laughs> Rather than take accountability and own this, they are literally changing the definition of what things are right in front of our very own eyes. Because they know that if the, the big R word comes out, and it's going to come out, we'll see if the media picks up on this, because I think they, they have. But we'll see if the media uses the term recession when, when this report comes out, because apparently it's going to be negative because the White House changed the definition of a recession. We'll see that, you know, if, if the media talks about it, but instead of taking accountability, they're just they're just changing definitions and just thinking we're all stupid and that we're not going to notice this. It's just unbelievable. You ain't lying. But, you know, we do have an election coming up in. What, four months? So that kind of makes sense. Yeah. And I think they know that if 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 the recession word starts being thrown around voters are really going to turn on the Democrats in November as if they aren't already. But, you know, they're obviously they're trying to save face here. And I just can't believe that they are literally doing this right in I front think, of our eyes. I think you're seeing the beginning of the blame game failing. You can't really blame. I mean, they, they blame Putin for this before. Now they're just changing the definition because I think they realize it's not working. There's no way people are going to believe that a country... 10,000 miles away, that's literally the size of, of the tri-state area, is responsible for this recession. Ukraine, Russia, war. I'm sorry, it's not a global conflict. It's, we, we have our own country. We are so far away. We have all of our own resources. And I don't think that, that the, this war is really disrupting the supply chains that much. I'm sorry. With the grain, maybe. But what's going on over there with the grain? I don't know. I really, I really find it interesting that they blame Putin when the price of gas goes up, you know, the Putin price hike. Mm -hmm. But now that the price of gas has been coming down, they are taking all the credit for that. So which one is it? Putin brought the price of gas up. Is Putin not bringing the price of gas down? That's how this should work, right? Yes. Yeah. At least in my eyes. I wonder if they got the, uh, if they did some polls and realized, hey, American people just are not buying it. And that's why they're, they're changing their, uh, they're pivoting here on what the, the, they're not even pivoting. They're just changing the definition. I mean, geez, quite changing the definition of a recession right before the quarterly growth report comes out. So that's it. Blame somebody else, change the definitions of things and like they have everything else. It's 1984. It's the book. Yeah. I hope people remember all these things. When and if they go to vote, hopefully they go to vote in November. They'll forget it. Unless it continues on until late September, October, they'll forget. Guaranteed. <laughs> Think of all the things we forgot about that already happened in 2022. Oh, I know. I agree. But do we have anything else on, more on recession? Um, 
I've I'll heard talk, a couple I'm people totally talk good. about that this is actually a Fed-induced recession because they're raising interest rates, and do they really need to? You know, but that's a whole different. We can get we can get we, way we will get into the Fed and, and why we have never lost a world war or anything, and yet all of a sudden in the years that that followed, two people have to work and everything got more expensive and no one could afford anything, and you can't live without a credit card. We'll get into that later on an entire episode, please. Try living without a credit card. You can't do it, America. Why? Right. But we'll get into that later. So. Okay, next. Okay, do you want to do, let's do, you want to do Trump DeSantis next? The straw poll? Let's talk about Trump DeSantis. Trump DeSantis. Uh, this past weekend, there was a, a big... Turning Point USA uh, gathering down in, I believe, Florida. And it was, uh, you know, four young conservatives across the country. And I believe it was the polling organization, uh, the Trafalgar Group, our boy Robert Cahaley. He conducted a straw poll down in Florida at the Turning Point USA rally. The question is, if Donald Trump did run in the 2024 Republican presidential primary, offers the following choices, for whom would you vote? 78.7% of people in this poll, now this is young conservatives, said Donald Trump. 19% said Ron DeSantis. 1% said Christy No. No one else was even on the radar after that. So, and before we get into the next poll, that is a large number that he is ahead by against Ron DeSantis, who I have said it once. I've said it a thousand times. I want to see him be the Republican nominee, Ron DeSantis, in 2024. I think he would win in a mega landslide if he ran. But it looks like, according to the polling numbers, it's going to be Trump. Um, and then we see here. Same Trafalgar group. Which Democrat do you think is the most difficult to defeat for president in 2024? Now, we said a couple names on this list, but the second name I'm going to give you, Joe, we did not mention last week. When we talked about who's on the bench to replace Biden. So what Democrat do you think is the most difficult to defeat for the president in 2024? 30.3% of respondents said Gavin Newsom. What? But do you know who was second? The 13.6%, Michelle Obama. Oh, God. Followed by Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. No one else was in double digits. So, interesting. Interesting that, you know, this polling came out over the weekend. And could it be a Trump Newsom battle in 2024? That would be very interesting. Talked about last week. He's already running ads in Florida. So, um, yeah, it, it, we'll see what happens here. And, uh, and and if Trump, when he decides to announce, I'm sure he's going to. The polling seems to be in his favor right now. Except for the fact that another poll we talked about, that most Republicans don't want him to run for president. Yet we see this poll among young conservatives that says they would vote for him over DeSantis. So we'll see. I just, you know, these polls, 
Who knows how accurate they are, but we'll go with it. The Trafalgar Group is pretty reputable of a polling organization. So, I have one question uh, about that poll, Mark, real quick. Um, was it just for people in Florida, or was it nationwide, random? No, I believe it was from – I believe it was – uh, the conservatives, the young conservatives at the Turning Point USA rally in Florida over the weekend. That's who okay. the poll was. Okay, so it is basically worldwide because a lot of the people traveled in for, uh, for this event then. Um, but going back to the other, the Democratic poll, I mean, do you think people just that were polled and asked couldn't really name anyone? I mean, do you think they, they gave them names in the polls or just those are the names they gave? I can't see anyone honestly saying Michelle Obama with a straight face. It's number two? Come on. I don't know. I mean, apparently they, you know, that's, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule her out. No, I'm not I saying I would too, but I mean, for you to actually say that out loud, I mean, what is her experience? Great question. It's a great question. So, and Hillary's going to have trouble. I, I, I hope, let it be Hillary. Please, God, if you're listening, let it be Hillary. Please. I would think Republicans would be salivating at the fact that it could possibly be Hillary Clinton. What I cannot wait to see, though, is how they, how the Biden, how will he not run for president, I guess is what I'm trying to say. What's going what's to happen that's going to prevent him from running again in 2024? Something's going to have to happen. I don't think that he's going to just say, oh, I'm not going to run. I'm going to turn it over to Kamala. Or somebody else. I think I just don't know how this is going to play out. And it's going to be highly interesting to watch unfold oh. over the next year and a half. They have long COVID as their excuse for to get Biden off. They could they could do 25th Amendment and say hey, it's not even that he has dementia. It's just long COVID. He got it from long COVID. Whatever you saw before that, you were just you were your head was making it up. You were imagining things. He didn't stop start not making sense until he got long COVID, guys. So we gotta yep. gotta get him out of office. That that's what it's gonna be. You know that they are planning this somewhere. Well, in Washington, it's and and like people, who is they? People always get on me. Who is they? I don't know who they is, but if if you watch the television and you watch Biden and you really think that he's in control or he's calling the shots, then you need to go get your brain checked because you don't have any brain waves. Yeah, when I think when we say they, we, we're talking about. Big mega donors of the of the Democratic Party, um, the Clintons, because the Clintons probably still control a lot of the a lot of the people in in that circle. The Obamas, that's what we who we mean when we say they, people that really control the Democratic Party because it's not Joe Biden. Yeah, and I sent you this earlier. Jill Biden's press secretary uh, just resigned today, so thought that was pretty interesting. Yes, that is very interesting because. Who would want to uh, this administration? You have to admit it's falling apart. If 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 you're a press secretary, why would you want to be on the Titanic as it's sinking? Yep. Great point. So, well, let's move off that topic, and then do you want to get into some uh, quick hits that we have? Um. Yes, we could do. Uh, we did this on episode one. So, some quick hits here. Jose Alba, the um, bodega worker who stabbed a man in self-defense, who was arrested and thrown in Rikers Island for a brief time, charged with second-degree murder. I believe they finally dropped the second-degree murder charge. However, we're going to compare his situation with the man that tried to stab Lee Zeldin. That man was actually released the next day. 
And it wasn't until a day later that he was arrested on federal charges, thank God, because he could just go to the next campaign trail event and just stab him there because no one cares in New York City. It's, it's like Gangs of New York over there or Escape from New York with, with Snake Plissken. It is a total disaster. I just saw a video of, and I'll try to post it on my Instagram or something, of a young teen beating up a cop. And he was released less than 24 hours later. And the cop was bloody. The team was bloody. It, it was a vicious fight. I mean, they were going at it. And the team's released the next day. Because who gives a shit in New York City? Just let them run wild over there. We don't care. Um, any comments on Lee Zelding's accused well, attacker? If you, didn't, if you didn't listen last episode, we talked about uh, Lee Zelding, who is the Republican nominee for governor of New York running against Democratic Kathy Hochul. And... Um, so I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because this just shows the hypocrisy, which is what we're all about. Calling out the fact that this man wasn't even charged with anything until the following day. Yet we have someone who was defending their, their own life and was charged with murder in that New York bodega attack. A few weeks and without ago. bail. For, and without for, bail. For, at first. Right. So, um, yeah. So we talked about that last week and last episode. And we said that if this was a, a Democratic person running for governor and someone tried to you know stab them at a campaign event it would have been wall-to-wall news coverage and it would have been proud boys you know far right hate groups you know let's ban knives stuff like that so um yeah that's all i have for that one okay moving on uh news update steve bannon uh from the hit podcast war room very good listen i listen to war room it's a very good podcast uh i would recommend it he was found guilty um, does this open up the door for anyone subpoenaed in 2023 after the midterms if the Republicans take control? Has the president been set of comply or go to jail? Now, granted, you could give the background, Steve Bannon, um, because I, I just forgot to, but go ahead. Well, he was found guilty. I believe it was contempt of Congress yes, for not yes. showing up uh, when he was subpoenaed um, for the uh, January 6th hearing. I believe that's what the charge was. A misdemeanor. He was sentenced. He was not sentenced yet, but found guilty on both counts, and each count carries a thirty-day sentence in in jail. They call Steve Bannon the honey badger. You know, say what you want about him, but he is a patriot, and you know he's a big Trump supporter. Obviously, he was one of his closest advisors uh, for the first year or so in office. But finding him in contempt of Congress. Other people have done much worse. Um, and you said, you know, has the president of Complier go to jail been set? Uh, we'll see. But that is what happens when you have, you know, a Democratic controlled um, Congress. So, and I, I think I will they're, make they're, the- they're barking up the wrong tree. And I think he said he's, he's, you know, there will be retribution, at least on his part, um, in some way, shape or form, because he said he's going on offense now. No more defense. No more being Mr. Nice Guy. You know, he is going on offense from here on out. And, and you know who has to go on offense? If the Republicans take the House and Senate in 2022, in, the, in these elections, we, they have to go on the offensive. Because do you remember uh, Obama's attorney general, Eric Holder, was held in contempt because he wouldn't answer questions on Fast and Furious, that investigation. This was a while ago. This is probably like eight, ten years ago. And nothing was done. He was held in contempt. Oh, big deal. Let him go. Nothing. No, never had to answer questions, anything about it. Just put the fifth. So enough of this in this country. Like, 
we, we, we need to have people be held accountable for their actions because the normal everyday person is, but not the politicians and not the people in power. Doesn't sound like America to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people like, you know, Paul Pelosi. Yeah. Who, you know, $1 million option deal on NVIDIA stock that we mentioned last episode. I mean, this is another thing. You're, you're in your 80s. How much how, you're worth tens of millions of dollars. You're just doing this out in the open. You know, and then when Nancy Pelosi gets asked about it, she said, oh, of course not. And walks away. She ran off that stage. Oh, my God. There was a there was a yeah. thing of dust behind her. It's just the 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 absolute arrogance by these people. It just shocks me that anyone, anyone um, can be a fan of hers. So but we don't want to we don't want to get off track with no. our quick hits. Uh, next, you, uh, you have North Korea accused of U.S. of funding biolabs in Ukraine. Um, is North Korea the, the better source than our own MSNBC, CNN, Fox News? Because I was told since February that there were no biolabs in Ukraine. And then they said, oh, yeah, there are biolabs, but they're for defensive stuff, which I don't even know what that means. How could there be defensive? A virus is a virus. It's a virus. So now apparently there are biolabs. It'll come out eventually. But are, are we at the situation in this country where we can really trust North Korea more than our media? I don't know. I'm not saying we can, but the biolabs thing was a big story that kind of just just vanished. But um, interesting thing about North Korea, not to um, not to to get too far away here. In 1994, and this is only interesting because North Korea is probably going to be in the news for every couple years. They used to always fire a missile, be some threat. Hasn't happened for a long time, and now all of a sudden, I believe it was in the spring, he unveiled this new missile system. So. I'm going to go take you guys back, the listeners, to 1994. Now, North Korea in 94 had just expelled investigators from the International Atomic Agency that was threatening to begin processing spent nuclear fuel. In response, then-President Clinton pressured U.S. sanctions and ordered large numbers of troops and vehicles in the area to brace for war. This is the closest probably we came in a long time to a threat of a nuclear war. Now, Bill Clinton secretly recruited former President Jimmy Carter to undertake a peace mission to North Korea. And under the guise, it was a private mission of Carter's. Now, Carter negotiated an understanding with Kim Il-sung, but went further, and I believe that's um, the grandfather of the, the current leader, but he went further and outlined a treaty, which he announced on CNN without permission from the Clinton White House as a way to force the U.S. into action. So if it wasn't for President Jimmy Carter, we actually could have had a conflict with North Korea. Now, what's interesting is, can we see something like that if North Korea is threatening again? Except, although Carter is still alive and probably in better shape than Biden, would it be a former president named Donald Trump? Because he had an outstanding relationship, according to him, with North Korea's leader. It was beautiful. It was the best. Beautiful. They wrote letters to each other. Love letters. So interesting this is something point, to note. Keep it in the back point. of your keep in the back of your mind because if it does happen, the news won't report on it how it really does happen. So just Correct. something to keep in the back of your mind. Correct. Um, before we wrap up, I do have a couple um, quick hits myself. Uh, we heard from uh, our favorite pope in our Catholic corner of the week, Pope Francis, calling on people to consume less meat. And I'll read you the quote here from a letter he released. Uh, prior to an EU youth conference in Prague, he released this letter and said, 
May you aspire to a life of dignity and sobriety without luxury and waste so that everyone in our world can enjoy a dignified existence, Pope Francis wrote. There is an urgent need to reduce the consumption not only of fossil fuels, but also of so many superfluous things. In certain areas of the world, too, it would be appropriate to consume less meat. This, too, can help save the environment. I, I just don't. I don't have anything else on him because it's completely frustrating uh, that we have a pope that is so woke. Um, and speaking of woke, uh, we have the woke ESPY awards that we talked about last week that were absolutely pathetic and a, a disgrace uh, to sports media. The ESPY awards have cratered in viewership since the mid 2010s. And this year's awards averaged only two and a half million viewers. And it was on ABC, not even on cable, ABC, down 35% in viewership from 2019. So the woke ESPYs go woke. Go broke, as they like to say. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just a horrible, horrible rating. Same thing with the Major League All-Star game. Major League Baseball, as we saw um, last year, pulled the All-Star game from Atlanta uh, in protest over the Georgia voting bill that actually resulted in more Georgians voting than ever before in the primary. Their All-Star game this year was one of the least watched All-Star games uh, ever. But I, I watched it, but according to the ratings... It was one of the least watched all-star games that we've seen. Uh, we have Republican nominee for governor of Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano, calls for arming school employees to protect kids. Now, before you react to this and say, oh, that's a crazy idea, giving teachers the right to carry a firearm if they have a concealed carry permit in schools, you should know. And I'm on the fence of this. I don't know which way to go. But 29 other states, 29 other states allow teachers to carry firearms, including Ohio, which enacted its law in June. I mean, you're just not going to be able to walk into a classroom in August with a gun. You have there's a minimum of 15 hours of training proposed in this legis uh, legislation. And could be a good thing. The course would be last between 15 and 30 hours. It must include training on such topics as interactions with first responders, safe handling, and storage of weapons and tactics for denying intruders entry to a classroom. The employee also must be certified as proficient with the firearm to be able to carry it on school grounds. So um, we could see this if Doug Mastriano becomes governor of Pennsylvania, that this would go into effect here in PA. So more states than not have this allow their teachers to carry a concealed weapon in schools. So something to look uh, at if he were to become governor. They're going to paint him real quick. They're going to paint him as crazy for saying that, but just never forget what happened in Uvalde. That's it. Correct. Correct. Um, his counterpart, Josh Shapiro, someone I'm not a fan of at all. He is very anti-school choice, anti-charter school. But I'm going to call, call it like I see it here. His economic proposal, I will give him credit. He wants to lower the corporate net income tax down to 4% by 2025. He wants to do some good things here, according to his um, according to his economic plan. That's one of the things that I thought um, was positive. Um, he wants to put vocational, technical, and computer training in every single high school in Pennsylvania and give students uh, access to those things. So um, I will give him credit um, for coming out and offering to lower the corporate income tax um, should he become governor. So he is up by a little bit in the polls. 
Um, so this is definitely a race to watch. I will give him credit too, real quick, Mark. But I just want to tell our viewers, do not be fooled. Sounds like a great plan, and it is. But do not be fooled because if he's elected, we will have mail-in ballots forever. Correct. Correct. Um, and finally, this is from NPR. Again, a left media outlet. Someone, an organization that Bill Gates has given tens of millions of dollars to, right? Uh, this came out a couple days ago. Hispanic and minority voters are increasingly shifting to the Republican Party. Something that I've said privately over the last few months, if the Republican Party can get just you know, 30 to 40 percent of the Hispanic vote, they might never lose an election ever again. I mean, it would be it would be curtains in a lot of these states, especially places like Texas and Florida. And again, we're seeing that Hispanic minority voters are increasingly shifting to the Republican Party. You can put your theories out there as to why that's happening. We're not going to get into that, but the facts are the facts, and we're seeing this happen. Um, and it's going to have a major impact in November in this election, and we'll probably have an even bigger impact in 2024. So uh, that's all I got, and we'll turn it back to you as we begin to wrap up. All right, we're going to close out this with, um, it's called Listeners Around the Globe. So we've been watching our numbers and we are, I believe, in about 20 states and two countries. And one of the countries is Mexico. And uh, is Mark, there someone on their honeymoon listening in Mexico or is it? Uh, I actually highly doubt that. Look, if, if you're on your honeymoon and you're listening to our podcast, we appreciate it, but Maybe you should be paying attention to your wife instead, because you're going to be seeing McMillan, Yurik, and Tachi, or whoever else it is. This thing's going to be over before it started. So I highly doubt it's someone on their honeymoon, although it could be. But what I noticed is that, um, is it really Mexicans? It could be. But in episode three, no one from Mexico downloaded episode three. However, however, we had someone in Texas download episode three, which makes me wonder. Did they cross the border? Are they listening to this podcast and say, hey, border's open, let's go cross. We love all of our listeners. We love all of our subscribers. But please, this is a law-abiding podcast. For the love of God, if you're, if you're over here illegally, just please go back. Or just, we, we don't want anything illegal. We don't support stuff like that. So if you were listening in Mexico legally over there and you came over and you're in Texas illegally, go, go back. Just go back. We love you guys, but just go back. And uh, we just want to hey. say we do appreciate everyone that's been listening. Mark, uh, Especially, especially our listeners in Russia. We do have in listeners Russia, in yes. Russia, so we love you too. And uh, yeah, we love all our listeners, and we thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. It's nice to see uh, us go nationwide in just three episodes. So we're going to keep banging it out here, uh, you know, at least once or twice a week. And the second episode we have this week, we are going to have. Um, we've been teasing him for now for a couple episodes. We're going to have uh, former. Naval Intelligence Officer on the episode later on in the week. We'll be recording that, I believe, uh, sometime Thursday. And we'll be hearing a lot about the Navy SEALs and some deployments in Iraq. So go ahead, Dr. Corsi, and take us home. All right. And uh, lastly, we are going to be able to set up something where you guys can ask us questions either right before or the day before an episode to get some of you guys involved, too, because you're what really matters. So we're trying to inform you guys as well as ourselves sometimes, too. But we're going to try to bring you a great show at least once, two, three times a week. Who knows? And we just appreciate it, guys. 
Thank you. I'm going to play myself out. This has been Thinking Logically. I'm Dr. Joseph Anthony Corsi. You heard yep. Professor Mark J. Grenetti. Mark, you can play yourself. Go ahead. I'm the Pop Father. Out. <laughs>